0: girls in grass skirts and coconut bras. That's what tourists see at a Hawaiian luau, but hula dancing is actually an ancient cultural art which teaches its people about their history, and it has a great deal to teach the rest of us as well, as I discovered in The Hula Lesson. You have hands, you have feet, you have
1: bodily movement and you can manipulate all of that to say certain things. It's a combination of ballet, opera, history, and
2: the oral tradition. Hula has really been at the core of our life. You know, the values and the music, the love for the poetry, and it's become a grounding force in our life.
3: Hula is a way of life. That is the one label that I can define hula. It's a way of life.
0: Welcome to The Hula Lesson, I'm Stephanie Geyer-Stevens.
3: My great-great-grand-uncle had a vision that I would be on a hill, and people would be listening to me as a teacher. So, is it fate? I don't know.
0: Hula dancing. My mind's eye creates pictures of palm fronds waving above beautiful, brown-skinned women who move gracefully to Hawaiian melodies. But when I was in Hawaii, I found a hula school that didn't fit this stereotype. On the small, lush Hawaiian island of Kauai, Roselle Bailey teaches the art of the hula dance. Her students are women of all colors who come from all corners of the earth.
3: You have to act as a unit all together. It means you have to know what you're doing. Patty and I worked on a selection of songs. So we'll all do Emma no and Eloa Mai. Those two are fresh sure. out. You can be loud and intimate too, you know. It's still intimate. But it's loud.
0: <laughs> Roselle's school is made up almost exclusively of non Hawaiians or Howlies. In Hawaiian, the word Howley is slang for foreigner, especially a white person.
3: Okay, so everybody who has plants, a branch or a flower or whatever, will all say Waho'iau together loud enough so the people can hear. All people with lays will say Hakipu together. And then do their individual lay in English.
0: I wondered why do these Howley women in Roselle's school want to learn hula? Why does Roselle want to teach them? And why am I, another Howley in Hawaii, also drawn to the hula dance? Hula
3: as life is a practice of acknowledging the physical world, the spiritual world, the emotional world and the ancestors who've gone before us and the progeny that is to come after us. So we set a solid cornerstone and platform for them to dance, the dance of life. <laughs>
0: The volcanic mountain of Wai Ale Ale dominates the island of Kauai. Starting out at the beach town of Keikaha, I head up the mountain to Kokei State Park. A narrow, winding road takes me from the open, flat and arid coast into forests of eucalyptus, bamboo, guava. Rising through the trees, I'm almost at the top of the mountain when Waimea Canyon comes into view. It is as deep as the Grand Canyon, but covered in green, cut by immense waterfalls. It takes my breath away. In fact, the view is so distracting that it's easy to miss the turnoff for the little red dirt road that leads me through the park to two small wooden cabins. It's here that I find Roselle's halau, or hula school. A simple, small cabin and a smaller cabin. Wooden, plantation-style bungalows, painted green with red tin roofs. They're surrounded by a grassy yard that is holding back the forest on all sides. When I arrive, the sun is beating down on me, but at any minute, the weather can turn up here as clouds, rain, and thunder envelop this idyllic haven. The core of the Halau is eight to ten women who gather several times a year at this spot. These students are themselves hula teachers who've been returning here year after year, most of them since the 70s, to work with a master hula dancer. Roselle is a woman of many names, reflecting the many aspects of her life.
3: The full name is Roselle Flora Kiliihonipua. My married name is Bailey. My maiden name is Lindsay. It's important to know my maiden name because it tells you where I'm from.
0: One of those names is her Hawaiian name, Kali'i Honepua, meaning the princess who drinks from the honey flower.
3: The princess who kisses flowers or smells flowers, right? Or the princess who is kissed by her flowers or the princess who kisses the honey flower (laughs) did someone name you it's been in the family my mother has that name my grandmother had that name
0: (laughs) and what you are called by your students is kumu that's what they call me and what does kumu mean it means the source
3: and in this instance it's the source of hula kumu is a trunk of a tree the trunk of the tree is the life of the branches and the leaves and the seeds that sprout again from that tree.
0: When I first got an invitation to visit Roselle's school, I assumed that we would be the only white women there. I pictured us among a group of real deal Native Hawaiian women. We even talked about how to be as unobtrusive as possible, how to be culturally sensitive, how to blend in. So, when I get to the Halal, I'm pretty surprised to find a group of mostly white-skinned women. This is definitely not what I had expected. Born in New York,
1: of Jewish parents, Russian, Romanian, Austrian, Italian roots. Went from New York to California to
2: Oahu. My name is Cheryl Suzanne Ogawa Ho. Oh, I am of full Japanese ancestry. I am actually fourth generation, or yonsei, as they say in Japanese-American culture. And so it was great.
3: I was born in Missouri. I'm German, Irish, Italian.
4: I came to Hawaii as an adult.
3: I'm Japanese and Chinese. I'm born and raised in Hawaii.
5: I was raised in New York. My grandparents came over from the Slavic Ukraine area. My mom discovered Kauai in the early 60s and I moved over here when I was 17. I was
4: born and raised here. I'm Filipino.
6: Born in California, American Mutt. Ancestors came from various parts of Eastern and Western Europe. Too numerous to name.
0: And me? I'm also a non-Hawaiian woman drawn to Hula with a passionate interest that I can't quite name. Both sides of my family are white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. The family Bible traces our genealogy back to the colonial founding fathers. But like anyone else whose family has been here that long, my ancestors include practically every nationality and ethnicity. My early years were spent growing up in Nova Scotia, where simply the fact of being Americans made us outsiders. As an adult, I ended up living in Hawaii for nine years. Both my kids were born on the big island. I never studied hula, but I saw a lot of it. And I understood early on how the dance was intimately entwined with the culture, language, lifestyle of the islands. It got to me on a gut level.
3: Yeah, the people.
0: The women in Roselle's Halal look as eclectic as their backgrounds suggest. Cheryl is five feet with straight black hair. Hayui must be six feet tall. Tattoos cover her arms and legs, long braids scroll down her back. Linny is petite with curly blonde hair and looks younger than her 52 years. Jessie has deep-set, dark eyes. She wears makeup and is fashionably dressed, while Keahi wears big glasses and tends towards T-shirts emblazoned with political slogans. As a group, they create a mosaic of shapes and styles. You. Flex foot, please.
3: Flex foot. Are you all ready? Yeah. Ruzel herself,
0: however, looks classically Hawaiian a fine-boned nose and high cheekbones and a broad face ringed with kinky dark hair. She has a quiet presence, which somehow takes up the entire room. She can be funny, introverted, bossy. She commands the complete attention of her students without lording over them.
3: <laughs> let's do it again. Let's go to your right. It's a pivot. Yeah. Just turn a little bit and get in position, yeah. it's okay. And don't jump up, stay low on the knees. The hand on the top, on the o-o, is the hand that goes up. Somebody come show here. The height of the dancer, for us an ueke. That's an ueke. Now the height of an uehe, low and it's a wider, actually should be a wider stance. Yes, thank you. Sure. you can
5: get lower, wider. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Instead of going to the back with the elbow, it's to the side. You know, you're elbowing, as I can use somebody. Okay, are you ready? Turn to your right. Okay, are you ready? Makoko. The group spreads out
0: across the lawn to work on the physical movements for a dance. Their rhythmic, sensuous motions look like they belong on younger, perfectly shaped bodies. But this dance clearly belongs to them. Roselle's students, who've been hula teachers themselves for so many years, move with grace and self-assurance. There's a primal connection with earth and sky that's evident in their motion. Bare feet are always in touch with the ground. Arms become an extension of the air. And the natural elements so present around them seem to channel their energy. As one woman explained it to me, you watch the ocean roll in and roll out, and you learn how to use your hips. You watch the canoe sail from one island to another, and you learn how to use your feet. You watch the palm trees blow, and you learn how to use your hands.
3: Okay, that was a little rusty. When you're coming up to down, the tendency is to bring it in towards your body. Keep the arm extended, the same distance all the way through fingers into the ground and then into the body. Did you say you wanted to do it again?
1: (laughs) So you have hands, you have face, you have bodily movement, you have feet, you have levels and you can manipulate all of that to say certain things. So that's the beauty It's a combination of ballet, opera, history, and the oral
3: tradition. Hula
0: is much more than music and movement. Each dance tells a story stories that draw from the intertwined worlds of Hawaiian history, religion, and mythology. Today, Roselle's class is working on a dance about planting kalo, or taro, the most important food in the traditional Hawaiian diet.
4: Ai, huki ke kalo.
0: Learning the dance's chants and its movements are all important, but the lessons go deeper.
4: Okay, ready to roll. Let's go.
3: So the fourth song is Huki Kikalo, Pulling the Tarot. Okay, what's the story of the tarot? Uh, Papa and Wakiya had a son,
2: their firstborn son, and they named him Halo, and he was stillborn. And so they buried him near their hale. And from that place sprouted
3: the first kalo, right, and then they had another son. And the second child was born live.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So human is the younger brother to the taro, which speaks to the inherent
2: relationship between humanity and Kalo or taro, their staple food.
3: So culturally, it is our obligation to take care of the taro because the taro then takes care of us by feeding us. So in Hawaiian family life, the firstborn is a very important person in the family.
0: The students look up the Hawaiian definition of words such as taro to better understand the story they're telling through dance and song.
6: Taro is
5: food, sustenance, grows in the earth, underground and above ground lives and perpetuates, grows in the water. Staple for food, nourishment, strength, growth.
3: The tarot is the keeper of the family. So he is the older brother. And if you have business discussions, or family fights at the table when his calabash is open, he will be angry, his eyes will turn red. You should cover the bowl if you're going to do that. So there's a chanting part of a tarot. The essence of the song says, Hawaiian, stand up and take a stand and be proud of who you are and remember who you are to recall your
4: past. Mm-hmm.
0: But most of the women in Roselle's school did not grow up eating taro. Their childhood stories were not those of Kalo, the taro brother, and his human sibling. Why are these women intent upon learning the Hawaiian stories? What drew them to Roselle's school? I had moved from Chicago and
2: I went to a brown bags ho'olaulea. It was held on the lawn of the Kaua'i County building in Lihue, And I saw this performance by Roselle and some of the young people of the Halau. And it was just so beautiful. And it spoke to me, it was just so beautiful. And I said to myself, oh, you know, someday I wanna dance like that. And then in the fall, I made arrangements to start attending classes.
3: I was always looking for some kind of dance. I wanted tap dancing and ballet, and there was nothing. (laughs) And then Mrs. Bailey moved to Kauai. I was on the swim team. Her daughter swam. And we found out she can teach hula. (laughs) My sister came here, and I came to visit her. And she and some of her friends were in the beginning class. They said, oh, you have to come to hula. And I was only supposed to stay for three weeks, but I joined the class and stayed till the end of the year <laughs> instead. The first time I danced hula, I said to myself, I've been waiting all of my life for this. It fits me. And I just never stopped studying.
5: I saw Roselle's halal perform, and I followed the dancers off stage. <coughs> I was entranced and enthralled. I don't remember how I actually found my way. I just like I woke up in her class one day.
3: <laughs> I was born and reared on the island of Maui in the town of Lahaina. My mom danced, my great-great-granduncle danced, and my uh, first teacher was Auntie Emma Sharp. How old were you when you decided to start studying? I didn't decide anything. It was decided for me. At age four, I was enrolled in hula with Auntie Emma. I don't know if children have choices today at that age. We didn't. We were sent to do whatever our parents or elders, the kupuna, wanted us to do. Then after a certain point, the awareness and realization happens, then training really starts when one's awareness opens up.
4: May I ask how long you have been dancing?
3: Over sixty years. I can't
4: separate Hula from Roselle. Mm. Yeah.
3: yeah. Our daughters grew up dancing before they were even born.
0: <laughs> As part of their integration into the dance, Roselle has given all her students Hawaiian names. My
2: Hawaiian hula name, in other words, the name given to me by Roselle as a dancer, is Hiipoi Kealoha O Kalani lo loa. One day when I walked into class, that's I think was, I was thinking, My third year, you walked in,
6: yeah. Yeah, I walked in the door, and you said, "You're onalani, the beauty of the heavens." Yeah, I remember that. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Still trying to live up to it. <laughs>
0: Moselle's Halau specializes in the old traditional dances. The chants that define these dances sound surprising to an American ear. They can surprise the tongue as well.
3: Let's try Eulu one more time as a unit. Well, it sounds like I need to go one by one. I'll volunteer. Okay. After
1: you chew your cookie. I said I could do it with the cookie, this thing, Mama, but...
3: Okay, you don't need to really hold your lips like that. What you need to do is to be able to block the air passage Partially in through your nose, e- e- upper upper palate. <boy in here?
6: laughs>
1: For me, when I do my ee, I open here. But to get that up here, I'm having a contradiction of bodily functions.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it feels like. That.
1: Ready, two, three, four.
0: One thing I pick up right away is a feeling of comfort and friendship within this diverse collection of women. They cook, eat and sleep together up here. They treat each other like sisters. And like sisters, they don't always get along. The one constant through line, however, is a sense of real pleasure among these women in what they're doing here. Here's how Keahi sees it.
1: I like language and the chanting. I have favorites, but there's not one. There's so many, you know. There are those that give you chicken skin, and there are those that you, oh man, I I gotta remember that again. Oh man, I don't like that one. You know. That's one of my favorites. What does it mean? It's a welcome. It's Ava. It's like a formal welcoming ceremony kind of a thing. But Connie drinks all to the point where he gets drunk and he lays down. He tilts sideways first, and then finally he lays down. Kani is one of the gods. He's one of the most important gods. Epuana Kamakani is another favorite one. Let's hear it. If it wasn't for Hula,
4: I wouldn't be here today. So hula mirrors what's inside of me.
1: You get high, it's like a drug. It fills you up with joy.
4: To me, hula is a high quality prayer. It cleanses you. It's just when you really get into hula, a holy light, and you love yourself. Hula is part of your life, people see that. Even if they don't know you're a hula dancer, there's something. They don't know what it is, but there's something. They find themselves They love it, and it brings
3: them to tears, so it hits an emotional chord somewhere. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: You're listening to The Hula Lesson. I'm Stephanie Geyer-Stevens. years living on the Hawaiian Islands, I made great friends and had wonderful experiences. But there was sometimes this lingering uncomfortable feeling of being an outsider. It was like there was some special inner circle that I was not invited to be a part of. In Hawaii, a great deal of attention is paid to the question of who belongs on the islands and who doesn't. But different people see this question differently to some it comes down to whether or not you were born on the islands. For others, it's the color of your skin. And white skin, no matter what your ancestry, can mean outsider to a lot of people in Hawaii. It's not a simple situation for someone from the mainland to understand, because everyone in Hawaii came from somewhere else at some point in history. But I can tell you, it certainly is interesting to be white in Hawaii and be in the racial minority. But then meeting Roselle and her halau of multicultural women changed all that. Roselle was teaching this most essential of Hawaiian arts to non Hawaiians, and suddenly I felt accepted and I felt at home. And I think this was because the circle had widened to encompass all of us, in fact, all of humanity. There was no way to stand outside of that.
3: I remember the first year. o Maui, it's a scholarship contest, and it was a celebration. The committee said, we'll ask Roselle to bring some of her students over to dance kahiko, ancient dancing, traditional dancing. So I took six girls with me, and of the six was one little haole girl. We did some very traditional hula pahu, or what they call temple dances. And I was criticized by quite a few people for having a howdy girl dancing those dances.
1: She took a lot of flack and harassment from people who had different opinions about that activity. But she proceeded because she felt it was really
3: necessary. If it's a problem for other people, it doesn't bother me, it's their problem. I judge character. (laughs) The students have to be strong enough to hang in there with me. We set a path, and that path isn't traveled by many people, except the ancestors and others are now traveling that path.
1: What Roselle has been doing with us over the last six or seven years is realizing the dream, realizing her dream.
0: Her dream of doing what? that all of
1: those rituals and those chants and dances are transposable to other
3: situations.
5: Hula Roselle's vehicle to educate and to restore the Hawaiian culture to its original dignity.
3: My first love is the culture. The culture is for the people. And it's the people who carry that culture forward.
0: But outside their circle, others still question whether howlies should dance hula.
1: The focus of many hula groups that I see is to perform on stage, to put on a show. And that has validity, but our focus is different. Our focus is that this is the history of hula, which is an integral part of the history of the people and foundation of Hawaii. Roselle has given us the responsibility of making sure that it's accurate that we understand the basis, and we feel strong and firm in what we're doing. And so when people question or when people give us a hard time about it, we can still be really firm in providing the information that's correct.
0: Why do they give you a hard time about it? Because we're white,
1: and in Hawaii, the whole sovereignty issue has made this Kanaka pride emerge and so you've got brown people who have this new pride for themselves and their language and some of the brown people put out the vibe that this is our culture, it's our place, it's our land, it's our language and who are you to come and practice it and tell me anything about it because it's in my blood and it's not in your blood.
0: So that brings me back to the question, what does it actually mean to be Hawaiian?
3: Well, let's see. Science has proven that all of humanity has come from the same woman through DNA. Who the fathers are, that would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Hawaiians are classified as mongoloid, negroid, Caucasoid. (laughs) So (laughs) we all fall in these classifications.
0: (laughs) So then, is there a value, do you think, to defining your heritage within a certain geographical location?
3: The whole situation hangs on the words Hawaiian and native Hawaiian and indigenous peoples. We're playing a word game now. The Hawaiian people who were here before Captain Cook are called aboriginal. A native is one who is a citizen of the nation of Hawaii. And now they're trying to confuse people even further by adding the word indigenous people. When I first heard that, I thought, indigenous? Plants are indigenous. People are not. So what are they trying to say? That we are plants?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am not Hawaiian, according to any of these definitions, but somehow I do feel that hula is a part of me. It helps define who I am. I think this is because of the way Hula expresses and reflects the culture of these islands, islands which I came to know so intimately.
4: Ai, kaulilua ike anu ovai ale ale.
0: Learning stories like that of Brother Taro is just a first step in learning hula. Roselle students must dig even deeper, examining each word that is represented in the movements or songs of the dance.
1: The beauty of the language is that one little phrase can just be taken in so many different ways. this morning we were practicing and we said, Oka'ahu manu heino. Manu is bird. And so we were going, Oh, do you go up on the ka'ahu or do you go up on the manu? And Roselle looked at us and said, What's the bird? Manu. Where do you go up? Of course, you go up on the bird, right? So, Haina mai kapu ana la O Oka'ahu. Manu he no you go up on the manu, not on the ahu, the subtleties. I never thought about that before, but it, that's what Polynesian languages do. Those syllables are so little and those words are so small, but they mean so much.
5: All
3: right, tell me your observations starting from the top. What you think is going on and why.
0: I sit in on a lesson where the students are studying a song word by word. The syllables are peeled away from the story like an onion on the cutting block. Okay, but there's something else I'm trying for you to get the word mo'o,
3: perpetuation or carry on. Right. So what's mo'o puna? Puna
1: is
6: spring.
3: A mo'opuna. Mo'opuna
1: is is your grandchild.
3: Yeah. So sometimes grandchildren are referred to as mo'o. Well, if you look at the fetus.
2: Oh, yes.
3: It's a (laughs) mo'o. (laughs) Yep. So, mo'o.
6: And And it lives in the water.
3: Yes. It's also a recollection of the story of Kauwakahi, who goes down with the mo'o down into the cave. You know that story? They fall in love, and she convinces him to go down and live with her underwater in a cave. And then he gets tired of it, tired of being down there. and So he comes back up. It would be suffocating, like a child too long in the womb. It's one of the old stories that has carried on through the years.
0: Understanding each word, its history, its meaning, and its place in the story, is so vital because dancing and singing these words are the foundation of hula. And in turn, hula creates a foundation for Hawaiian culture. Hula is only
3: one aspect of the Hawaiian culture. There are other aspects of the Hawaiian culture, but they all share the same foundation of dedication, of learning, what the rules are or the protocols are. There's a Hawaiian word for protocols, it's loina. It's good manners following a process of good manners. That's the bottom line, good manners. That's all.
0: There's one Hawaiian word that everyone is familiar with, aloha. For many, this one small word expresses the essence of Hawaiian culture.
4: There is such a deep-seated paradigm of aloha here. Why don't you say what you think aloha means? Aloha. It is Hawaii's great gift. It means respect for all life in every single moment and never begrudging that respect when anybody walks into your environment.
0: The basis of this respect lies in Hawaii's geography.
4: There are distinct limits to islands, and on islands, you had to make sure you didn't offend people, or you behaved yourself in such a way that you were still welcome in their home. I believe that that sense of a limited landscape, you not only learned how to conserve resources, but what is one of our largest resources? Relationships. Actually, one of my favorite old timers in Hawaii, Auntie Kia, calls it overwhelming love, is what Aloha is from her point of view. And that has survived. That survived the assault by another culture. And it doesn't show any signs of anything but spreading. And that is Hawaii's gift to the world. That is kind of the skeletal structure of what it is to be in Hawaii, Mm -hmm. is to have an overwhelming respect for yourself and for all life in every moment.
5: I think the Hawaiian culture has a lot to do with being an expression of nature. Mm -hmm. Very much. You find your place within that and that's what allows you to discover yourself. So, you learn to share together, you learn to respect each other, you learn to take care of each other.
0: not only reflects culture, but it also teaches its lessons.
3: Okay, what's ke kanikau na about? I think you know it. Do you know it? Okay, go ahead, Patricia.
6: It's
5: about hunting birds for the feathers to then make the adornments for the Mm ali'i. And then later on, firearms were introduced, so the bird hunters, then thought, oh this is good, this is the easy way to get the birds. So I'll shoot the birds and get all the birds I want, gather up the feathers and go from there and then after the fact realizing, oh my goodness, I shot all the birds Mm -hmm. and now I don't have any more birds and
3: shame. Sad shame. Sad
5: shame. There are no more birds. I did it.
3: In a way it's a lament and it's saying we're sorry
1: This really happened. They
5: really
3: are gone. Yes. 86 or something, the Mamo, the last Mamo here.
6: So again, documentation, oral history.
3: And verification.
6: It's also an antidote to a lot of that romantic claptrap that you hear about with the old Hawaiians, and they were always perfect ecologists and conservationists. But
0: they weren't?
6: By gum, they weren't, more than anybody else was, they had to learn by making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And this was a particularly tragic one, because it not only, it destroys the birds, it destroys their livelihood, and it blows a hole in the web of the culture as well as the ecosystem, because the feather crafters depend on the materials supplied by the Kimanu so, the feather crafters cannot work, and then this, this reverberates through the rest of the culture, so it's unraveling the whole web, really, mm-hmm. because of one thoughtless and selfish act.
3: Well, the hope is that, from the bird catcher's point of view, because this is their lament, that the others will hear this song. By preserving it in a hula, you're able to... Hope that people learn from their mistakes and yeah. learn from history and don't repeat history. Right, right.
6: But this is nothing new. This is the like, way. That's the world tradition. That's the, the world Hawaiian.
0: tradition, yeah. yeah. Spending time in Roselle's halau, I'm beginning to understand why these Howley women are here and why I am here. Although it was not my ancestors who killed off the mamo, I'm starting to see that there's something universal in what these stories have to say. Something we can all relate to.
3: Hula is a way of life. That is the one label that I can define hula. It's a way of life. How is it different? from other ways of life. It's It's not different from other ways of life because human beings share the same basic foundations. Integrity, honor, trust, understanding, and respect, and a passion. It takes a lot of
2: courage on her part, I think, to be so open. And my hope is that. By being accepted into the Halau as a non-native person, we are not diluting the true Hawaiian values and ways.
1: These values are fundamental. And they're not just fundamental for Hawai'i and Hawaiians. They're fundamental values of mankind and womankind. They're fundamental values of humanity. If we recognize our connection with our environment, if we're firm in our foundation of respect and relationship between person, animal, plant, life, fire, earth, wind, water, it's good no matter where you go.
0: These values are common values and all of us of every nationality and ethnicity are searching for them. Often we find them, within the stories of our own tribe. But in America, so many of us are separated from our stories. So we look elsewhere. We look to people whose stories are still intact.
3: The outside of Hawaii wants hula, and so we give our traditional knowledge. Now, why is the outside looking inside to us? because they're spiritually undernourished. The citizens of the United States of America, at this point, are being bombarded with fear, apprehensions, with distrust, isolationism. They are confused or don't know who they are. And people have forgotten how to be with each other that's very important, how to be with one another and to understand each other's plight and take care of each other. And they need, in today's society, it's especially true, they need to have a foundation under them upon which they can stand.
0: But how do these women reconcile the lessons of hula with their own upbringing?
3: How do you learn
2: another culture how do you integrate who you are biologically and culturally, it's a big question. Our
1: religious foundation is still very much there. Myself, Heui, and He Poi have a very strong Christian background. Heui is active in her church. I'm active in my church. Hi'i is the daughter of a minister and was married to a minister. And then there's Pat and Jessie and Linny,
2: the Jewish girls. Frankly, I think Roselle was surprised that I was able and willing to continue in hula because for many Christian believers, they cannot, they are told not to dance kahiko dances which give honor to the gods, the Hawaiian gods.
1: There are young women who have left us, who have just said, no, that's against my religion. I am a born-again Christian, or I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I cannot participate in that kind of stuff. So I have had to reconcile that for myself. And I think there are others of us that have. Because when we go to the Ahu, when we go to Haena, and we go to Keahuatlaka, we are placing a piece of wood on an altar and we are giving offerings to a deity and so my christian religion says thou shalt not
0: is it sort of a melding do the gods that are discussed and revered in hula does that somehow support your christian tradition or do you have to override it for myself I see what happens at Laka
1: as being culture and history, and what does it matter what name I call God over all, whether I say Laka or whether I say Jesus or whether I say Buddha, it's God over all. That's how I deal with it. And so it doesn't matter where I am in that as long as I respect, honor, revere, and try to practice
2: as much as I can the way, what's right or what's good. It's that same Christian sort of orientation towards serving one's fellow men and women that led me in the direction of social work. But I always tried to integrate what I was learning about Hawaiian culture.
0: For Cheryl, her job as a social worker is one avenue through which to act on her Christian values dancing and teaching hula is another.
2: The Japanese in Hawaii have been recipients of much wealth of all kinds, and particularly political and socioeconomic wealth. And I think it is really imperative for Japanese people in Hawaii to be aware of how they got to where They are at what cost to the native peoples of this land, and is there any way that we can help to right the wrongs, and help to bring health and wholeness again to Kanaka Māori, to native peoples. So when I was lay off in my former agency, I no longer felt that I could only relate to certain families as their social worker. And one family happened to come to me and say, you know, we know you teach hula. Could the children come to you? It it was really, it was such a freeing thing. And it made me so happy because I felt like I could continue to contribute to the development of these kids, you know, and I could help to instill that pride in their culture that only someone who is a practitioner of a cultural art can do.
3: Those students who come to me from other ethnic groups or cultures all say they want to learn hula because they're interested in Hawaiian culture, they want to know about the Hawaiians, but do you know what they end up doing? They learn who they are and then stand up upon who they are and being proud of their past and their history and their culture.
0: Through dancing hula, these women learn the lessons of humanity. And through teaching hula, they help to pass them on. In preserving the ancient stories of the Hawaiian ancestors, they are making connections with the wider world.
3: We're all people of the same planet, only thing we're different colors, different ethnicity, but we all have the same kind of blood running through us and flesh and organs.
2: And what is our responsibility as individuals today living in Hawaii to bring about change? Hula has really, really been at the core of our life. You know, the values and the music, the love for the poetry and everything. It's become a grounding force in our life.
1: We're all here as visitors, and as long as we recognize each other and respect and meet, present, and listen to one another and offer the other encouragement, it's okay.
0: Just because I love hula doesn't mean I'm Hawaiian, but Roselle and her students taught me that I don't need to be Hawaiian to make hula my own. In the ancient traditional stories, told through the hula dance, I can find lessons that relate to my own life. I can construct a view of the world that encompasses my history and experiences, and I can grasp the tools I need to help build a future that includes us all, if one kamakani, so
3: what are we representing there? Current, current
1: um, movement from here to there, carrying it
3: all, carry the carry. message. Carry the
5: message. <laughs>
0: The Hula Lesson was produced by Stephanie Geyer-Stevens for Outer Voices, script by Claire Schoen and Catherine Stifter, recorded by Edie Levis. Mix engineer Robin Wise of Sound Imagery. The production assistant was Maureen Dada. Research intern was Anukin Warda. Thanks to the Dada family, the Pacheco family, and the Takuda family for their hospitality in Kona. Special thanks to Roselle Bailey and to all the members of Kaimi Na'ao o Hawaii Halau. Thanks also to Marsha Erickson and her ohana, as well as to the staff of Kokei State Park. Thanks also go to Susan Davis, Kimo Campbell, Matthew Campbell, Mimi George, Walt Hayes, and Liz Lindy, and to my loving, patient, and supportive extended family. Major underwriting for the Hula Lesson was provided by the Ford Foundation. Additional funding from Kimo Campbell on behalf of the Thousand Friends of Hawaii, Hawaii Forest and Trail, Mark Feichert, and Edie Levis. To purchase a copy of this program or to learn more about Outer Voices and other programs, please go to our website, www.outervoices.org. I'm Stephanie Geyer-Stevens. Thanks for listening.